1: Black ball. Black black, black ball, black, black, black ball, black, 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 boy. black, 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 black. what is up everybody my name is james d fury and this is blackballed i am back up in cottage country um, working on the books so i'll be broadcasting from here that's why you do not see the retro cbc ish wall behind me that fell once um i wanted to do this show today because the person that i work with and for um is a person who um strangely is not interested at all in what I write about. (laughs) In fact, he has a visceral hatred for it, which he expresses on a regular basis. But um, aside from the jokes, there is something happening right now in this country. And I noticed it when I saw that the two beats that I'm currently working on began to overlap. One of those things is the uh, Plymouth Brethren Christian Church and the crimes they've committed uh, worldwide that have been documented and, and, and talked about on the news and everything. And then the allegations that exist uh, not only in Canada, but in the United States and other European countries, as well as Australia, New Zealand and all that. And then that beat um, and and the other beat that I was doing was the kind of the conservative leadership. And then when the Patrick Brown thing started um, these two worlds, and now they're not colliding, but they are nibbling on each other's edges. And it has sort of um, created an interesting spot for me where, not only do I feel like I have two really interesting stories to talk about, but the connecting tissue between them—the the weird sort of space between uh, where politics actually lives—I was talking to um, Holly Doan from Blacklock Reporters today, Black Locks Reporter today, and we were talking about how um, if if people really knew what certain types of individuals did in politics, like bagmen and fixers, strategists, campaign managers. I think they would be shocked. In fact, I know they would be shocked. People like to joke like they everyone assumes it's corrupt, but no one ever really talks about the details of how it's corrupt unless they see it in some sort of like Senate hearing committee or, and who watches that, or it's on the news somehow, or someone broke a story. But the things that you don't hear about are completely insane. And oftentimes you uh, would be surprised to know just how dark it can actually get. Uh, we're, so we're going to spend some time talking about that. We're also going to spend some time talking about uh, the Patrick Brown situation. And um, and then I kind of want to talk about, because all this stuff is stressful, um, and I, I kind of want to pick this person's uh, brain a little bit about stoicism, uh, especially in light of the guest that he had on recently. So I would like to welcome, for the first time, by the way, to Blackballed, the one and only, the man himself, Dean Blundell. Dean. Yeah, we're here. We did it. I can't believe it. Man. Woo! We made it.
2: Woo! We did. Is this the first time? I don't think I've been on your podcast yet. Is this the first time? First one?
1: It is the first time. I, to be honest with you, I it was a deliberate strategy.
2: <laughs> Why is that?
1: Um
2: You scared? Scared of me? You scared I'm gonna hijack it. You think I'm gonna fuck you over? Think I'm gonna get it? Think I'm gonna get after no. it. Think I'm gonna...
1: No, no, no. None <laughs> of those things. Do you remember this? Right. Um when when I started this podcast, it was like six months after I was supposed to. And I told you at the time I just didn't want to do it until it, like I, I, I knew that I'd be confident in whatever it is that I was showing other people. I believe and that's why
2: you I said couldn't. You had some things going on in your head and you're like, I can't, I can't get it together right now, so I'll I'll yeah, do it. I, I want to do it, but I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah,
1: it wasn't a personal life thing. It was like I didn't know how to podcast. I didn't know what no. would look good or comfortable. And so I yeah. waited and waited and it paid off because then I Noam Chomsky was my first episode. I it's thought I love a first
2: episode, by the way. Noam Chomsky. Yeah. That great I,
1: first podcast. I, Thanks. I feel like uh, I was 12 in podcast I years. I know, you know it was that? a long time.
2: Dude, it was like only like eight, nine months ago. I mean, you, you know, maybe a year max, but it was uh, yeah, I mean.
1: May, 2021. Okay. Yeah. A year ago. Yeah. Just over yeah. a year ago. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, on that same sort of line of thinking, I didn't want to have, cause I saw people having you on yeah. and uh, to be frank, some of them were having you on and, and they were still in their building, not knowing their identity phase. And I just kind of didn't want to do that. I wanted to wait until I had a, you know, like a better podcast than you do. And then have you just kidding. <laughs> and then have you on job done. No, 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 no. Um, that's the greatest thing, actually, is that they're so different that why yeah. would you ever compare them? Um, mm-hmm. But no, I, I, out of respect, I honestly wanted to have you on when the show was a bit more mature. And that's why.
2: Well, you know, it's nice of you to do. I guess it's nice. I mean, I, you know, podcasting is one of those things that that you do um, in one of two ways. You're either a hobby caster. Or your professional grade, right? And I think when we first started doing that, and I can tell you this, I mean, we're all hobby podcasters when we start, right? When we first start putting together a show and we want to talk about things, we're trying to figure out what those things are. Um, and, and I felt the same way about myself, you know, and, and it's funny because you need a book, you got to create some time, you got to create some space, like all your work is a resume on a daily basis. And, and through the act of actually doing it, uh, you build a brand, like, you know, one of the great things that, that I've really enjoyed watching, I think, you know, for a lot of people that don't know, I mean, <clears throat> blackballed, we're fortunate to have you as part of our network, right? We're a network of, yeah, I don't know, 100 podcasts and uh, we help people with their SOPs and we love great content and I don't have to really appreciate or even agree with the content as long as it's good content, as long as people love what they do. And you, you're actually one of our, I think, one of our best stories, right? You know, um, to be able to go from not having a podcast, never doing a show, not doing spoken word, not having. And it's tough. Like, you got to have a fucking thick skin to do this shit because you're putting (laughs) yourself out there all the time. And when I met you, neither of us really had thick skin. I mean, we were just kind of. I had fat
1: skin. Does that count? Yeah, you lost a lot of weight, too. It's
2: pretty thick. Um, But you're such a great story. And so is Blackball because you found a niche, right? Going And you scare the shit out of us at the network, for sure. I mean, there's been several podcasts where you're like, Pull it off the air, like get rid of it. But um, that—that's just because uh, like, you, you, down. It's gonna be. Fun. I know it's us. But you go into these spaces that a lot of us don't, and it uh, takes some courage, takes some bravery. And the stuff that you're doing now is uh, is is incredible stuff. So congratulations to you. Not that you've you know anybody's made it. You never really make it. Mm. But you're making something that you're proud of, and the project itself is something that we love being a part of. So we feel pretty fortunate to be involved with you, dude. So well, dude, listen. It feels a little great. Double hearing- Dutch Rudder. Little even yeah. double
1: Dutch Rudder for each That's other right, right. there. Yep. It feels it feels great hearing you say that. Um, you know, and it's funny because I'm like, I'm still sort of I have this weird thing in my head now where it's like I'm just I'm kind of never satisfied. <laughs> I just I just keep yeah. on like I just want to I wanna do this as a living. Anyways, um, but you know what? Uh, you took a chance on me and um I heard like at least four of your lawyers were like, What the fuck are you doing taking a chance on? <laughs> Don't you know who this fucking uh, guy just is? Just one, just one, just one lawyer.
2: Um, yes. No, but like you do that. There are so many people out there that are so good at their content that want to do good work. And um, they've been collared, they've been treated or they've been scarlet lettered or they've been branded blackballed, which is the name of your podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would I would have been one of them. I mean, I, I don't care. I never really did. Uh, but I would have been one of those. And so, you know, it's fascinating when you create a community, which is really what we wanted to do, we wanted to create a community of like-minded people, not of outcasts or people that didn't have a place to work or people that didn't have a place to go and create. We wanted to create a community of people that could help each other with answers that gave you a safe space to come do your content and then not just do your content, but if you wanted to grow your content, like if a podcaster wanted to be a blogger, blogger wanted to be a podcaster or someone was good at micro content, we're interested in those people, right? We're interested in people that want to get started. We're interested in people with established brands. But but the thing that really... Really gets me, and I, I didn't realize I had that gear in me. Is is um, is watching people succeed from zero, right? Like watching them start at no listeners, uh, just got a microphone, just put together some graphics. I got some commercials, I got some music, and I'm gonna go find myself in this content. And that's mm-hmm. what you've done, you know. And that's what a bunch of people have done. You know, we had Marianne Iveson on the podcast, who's brilliant, uh, along with yeah, Scotty um, Scotty McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast. These are all podcasts. She's hilarious, by the, the way. best.
1: <clears throat> She's Incredible. like, like, like. I'll tell you straight up. Um, yeah. Like, at, at a, like she to me it, for some reason has like even like star quality. Like, like a, if like a network offered Huge. her her own show on television. I would not be surprised at all i don't know what it is about her she's very casual and and like makes it look effortless and she's really she knows how to trim the fat on her words (laughs) you were like ryan has a podcast too and she was like cool and it was just so sarcastic
2: (laughs) yeah she gives it back um but but you know like it's there are people like that that are out there that have maybe been in traditional media maybe been mistreated maybe they don't believe in themselves Uh, she's got no marianne's got like no shortage of confidence but there are a lot of people who do. Right. So we wanted to be that place, that kind of landing place for people to come to do the things that we love to do, that I love to do. Uh, but we also had to figure out a couple of other things. And it's funny, you know, because when we started doing this and I know I am a political, like I fucking hate politics. I hate politicians. Mm-hmm. I hate the culture of politics. I hate the people in it. I find them valueless. Uh, so when we, you were on our podcast and we were podcasting together for a while, I made this like this concerted effort to like move as far away from politics as I could. I didn't want to talk about politicians. I don't want to talk about elections, but you can't avoid it, right? Like you can't avoid it because it's so, uh, life relevant. Like everybody's life is wrapped around who we're voting for and they make themselves the center of attention. So when we moved away from that, it was like, dude, just build something, continue to build and, and build it with good people. And like, those are really the only prerequisites of people that we work with. It's, uh, you know, can, can we work with really good people who want to do really good content and explore content and, and, and the things that they do in a way that nobody allows them to do right did like you can't do the con- a, you can't do any of this shit on social media you can't do oh, any no. of this on traditional media like your no. podcast would have been gone a long time ago you're never going to work in social media or traditional media again i can't there's so many people that can't work in traditional media because either they've been blackballed in your point or they have um they're trying they're a square peg and some assholes trying to shove them in a round hole you know what i mean and we don't want that <laughs> no, like we know that people are really good when they're engaged in the things that they're super passionate
1: about. And I, we color in the corners from, I and you're one of those guys. So your contra- thank you very much. Uh, your controversial past and the way that your career ended in radio, did that play a role in you being maybe a little bit more willing to take a shot on somebody with the abysmal track record? Like I had, <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like, seriously, if you didn't go through that, would you even bother trying to take a risk or you know what I mean?
2: You know, I've I don't know. I, I That's a great question. I I don't have I don't have hang ups like I don't have the same hang ups that a lot of people have when in terms of reputation, because reputation is something nobody controls. Right. I, I want to meet people. I want to know who you are. I want to know what your intentions are. I want to see if you want to play well with others. Uh, I want to see if you're passionate about what you do. Um, so reputation never really mattered to me. Was it important that we give people that didn't have a place to play a place to play? Um, yeah, yeah. you know, I guess I, 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 am happy that we do that. I'm, I'm super grateful that people actually trust us with their reputation now, which is, you know, kind of fucking weird if you're me, right? Because you know, four or five years ago, if someone's like, Hey, you want to go to Dean Blundell's house for a barbecue? They're like, not that homophobe, <laughs> not a chance. <laughs> Can we bring um, a gun? Take him out? Yeah. yeah you Was know? yeah. he going to be doing? Dunk tank with the gays? Like, what? Gun's yeah. such a loser. Fuck him. Um, and, 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 you know, a series of things happens in people's lives where you're looking for answers, you want to get better, but it wasn't really a concerted effort. Like, I didn't really kind of say, uh, I got to have a place for people to play who uh, no one else likes. Like, that wasn't, yeah. you know, that's yeah. a bad, bad business model. I just, like, I don't care who you are or where you're from. If you want to be independent and if you want to produce content and if you want to do it with a great group of people who support you, and share your content with others and are all part of the same ecosystem man you're for us i don't care if you got one follower but if you have more than 5000 it's a huge bonus that's a good one
1: yeah um all that all that is fair and you know it's it's so funny because uh, when i was just writing freelance and people would call me a blogger i would i would lose it in my own mind i, would, I fucking hated the word i yeah. i didn't i didn't want to be you know associated with like that word at all and then like for some people it's like podcasting is like the vape pen of mediums for a lot of people. Right. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, the universe is going to implode on your end there. Cause you have a vape pen on a podcast, but it's funny to me that like a, a far superior medium. I mean, it's more, it's superior to television and radio because it combines the both seamlessly, mostly without intrusive advertisements on the good shows. And it's like, I I don't understand why it's being mocked. And then I remember um, that these media companies work very closely with PR companies. And and that's why there's a whole shit ton of think pieces as to why radios is still relevant. Yeah, it ain't. You know, (laughs) it's no, it isn't. Uh,
2: Traditional media isn't. And and you hit the nail on the head. Uh, Traditional media is dead. Um, I, I think there's a purpose for it. You know, I think I think the free aspect of radio is still, you know, really, really important when it comes to getting an emergency message out. I think it, it's got a use, uh, but, I, I, you know, newspapers, who gives a shit? They're just websites now. Television stations, who gives a fuck? You're streaming it. I mean, you don't need cable. I don't even have cable. Who has cable? <laughs> yeah, Nobody. Right? Nobody no. goes, yeah, I need to order some fucking cable. Um, but to stay alive, these companies that own all these traditional outlets... Um, are trying to figure out a way to to move into the space that we're in without looking like they're admitting their properties aren't as completely fucking redundant as they are, yeah. right? And so it's it's fascinating because the embarrassment, you, know, you mentioned it, how they would mock bloggers, mock podcasters. Mm-hmm. The podcast movement is killing traditional media absolutely destroying it on demand content is like the biggest fucking thing in the world yeah and it doesn't matter what it is right so when about four or five years ago when I was like and do I go back in radio do I now go back in radio and lots of great opportunities some nice people offered me some nice jobs um I was like I I think I want to be and I remember saying this to Julie Adam from Rogers uh media she's the president of Rogers um Rogers radio nice lady uh we were talking about jobs and we're talking about things and she's like I you know said nice And I said, listen, I'm going to go do my thing. I want to be where people are going to be in five years from now. That's where I want to be. I want to be in that space where you're going to want to be. And I need to figure out that because sitting in this space by myself, right? Like sitting here working for you, being beholden to you or anybody else isn't my it's not in my DNA anymore. I could I couldn't see it. I couldn't see an end road for radio or television that that, that like at the end of the rainbow there's like all this money and, and innovation and mm-hmm. empowerment for creators. Like it didn't exist because yeah. I was in radio for you know 15, 20 years. And it was like it's if you've worked in radio specifically in traditional media, one of the most onerous demeaning uh I, I don't want to I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to use the S word, uh, but it, it, it's you're, you're beholden to these people and they own you. They own your Twitter account. They own any other jobs you want to do. They if you want to start a website, can't won't let you because that's competition to them. Like mm-hmm. traditional media in this country has absolutely chained people to um, to the, the people that pay their paychecks and then yeah. some non-disclosure agreement, all the shit. Like it was just, and and I thought, fuck, I can't operate in that world anymore. I just couldn't, right? There's just no way that I could. And so when I said I wanted to be where everybody else was going to be in five years, I meant them too, right? And I remember specifically saying that to Julie Adam and she, if she was honest, she'd admit the same thing. And she's a pretty honest lady. She'd probably admit that. And so I just did it. Like I was like, fuck, I don't know how to podcast. I don't know how to blog. I don't have to do any of those things. You know, you fast forward, when was that? That was four years ago. Fast forward four years. Um, you know, we will do 750,000 page views this yeah. month. We'll do 120,000 downloads of just, you know, our podcast. The network will do several hundred thousand downloads of a podcast. Uh, you know, we're morphing into a different ecosystem now. We've just brought on a brand new CEO and publisher, uh, which we'll announce in the next little while uh who's been working with us and 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 this is a legitimate enterprise of people who are need to be where radio needed to be and yeah. needed to be in that space. We're here. You know, we're here now. And there's no ego there. Like I don't sit back and go, see, I fucking told you so because we're not making the kind of money I'd like to make. Obviously we're being blocked by traditional media we've got lots of people in the traditional space who just hate our fucking guts because we open up narratives that other people can't because they're in traditional media so i mean you know there's lots of obstacles but god i fucking love this game dude don't you like it is a fucking unbelievable game we get to play on a daily basis about how we do content, why we're Mm -hmm. doing content, and how many people can we get to watch this today? Like, literally, that is the fucking greatest game job I have
1: ever had in my life. It's the longest job I've ever had.
2: Congratulations.
1: (laughs) I'm 46, and working for two years with you has been the longest job. Anyways, um, I'm actually proud of that, though, because um, one thing that I've learned over all that, like, this has been, like, my, uh, what was, what was, uh, podcasting is like my Jennifer Melfi, <laughs> you know, remember the shrink on the Sopranos? Oh yeah. Dr. Melfi. Yeah. It's been talk therapy for me and it's not like, it's not, you know, um, I'm on your network and uh, you know, what a I don't know what better mentor I could pro- possibly have. You uh, not only were you're successful on the radio, but like me, you stepped in some shit and got totally ostracized. And I think that's fucking awesome. <laughs> and then you were forced to like start a new thing. But it is a completely unique beast. There's no um, obligation for intrusive ads that, uh, you know, that to me disrupt any type of information uh, retaining. That's why most of the stuff on radio is kind of fluffy, in my view. And um, and there's no gatekeepers. So people yeah. like me who could never get past the lobby in legacy media and all these other things who would take risks and, you know, fancy themselves as sort of a maverick or a gonzo journalist or, you know, a shit disturber or whatever. Um, You know, there was no place for us, but, Mm -hmm. um, and then the interesting thing is, is that when I got to your network and then I, when I started to podcast and then I went, Dude, I went from on day 1 on the Dean Blendell network I went from fat drunk <laughs> to whatever this is now, you know, uh, not fat, not drunk and um, not scared to go on the air. Mm-hmm. But um what why is it that I have a very in, you know inescapable sort of theory that radio people have trouble with podcasting because they are like conditioned down to their neural pathways to build content around ads instead of ads around content.
2: Now, that, you know what? Nice of you to say that to uh, all the radio people out there. That's that's not the answer. There's Am I giving them, them an album? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just can't figure out how to like not talk around a commercial. No, it's super, super <laughs> nice of you to say. It's a big stretch. Uh, and it's not. Radio people, two things. Incredibly fucking lazy. Uh, that's number one. <laughs> so when you say to a radio guy, listen, you're, you're going to talk for like two hours or an hour straight put together some content, grab some guests, get some assets, be compelling for two hours straight. There isn't a fucking chance uh, talk radio. Uh, anybody who isn't a talk radio person can do that job if you're in radio. Like if you're coming from an easy listening station or a CHR station or uh, whatever, you, you, you're never going to be able to do that. Like it's just not in you. You talk for four to seven minutes max every 15 to 20 minutes and you've got music to count on, you got commercials and you got other people and you got, you know, callers and all that stuff. When you're in the box doing this, you are in the fucking box and it is stressful because you got to make sure if you're in radio or you came from that background, you got to make sure that you can flow and you can segue and you can move into those things. That's been the hardest thing for me, you know, and I'm, I'm that guy. I'm who I'm talking about. Lazy, uh, you know, very, uh, angry if things don't go my way, ego is another thing, right? There's another reason why people don't get into it from radio is that, you know, from, from that radio perspective, you've got the power of this brand and you're on the radio and you think you're cool. Radio is so uncool now, but you think you're cool because you occupy this time space that someone gave you and you talk for out of a 60 minute clock. In one hour, there's a one-hour clock. They're called clocks. 60 minutes. Eight minutes you talk, pff, fuck yep. that, music format. I bet oh, you talk for music. max 10 minutes an hour. And I don't oh, know where wow. the talent is in that anymore at yeah. all. I don't. No one listens to music like that. No one wants to listen to a generalizer between a couple of fucking songs to talk about you know what they had for dinner last night or the world's biggest burger that was made in Poughkeepsie, New York. Like, nobody. And the other thing is, is that, Not a lot of people in radio are doing it because they want to do content, right? Like if you talk to 10 radio people from that traditional space about why they're doing radio, they'll tell you two things. They love it. It's a rush. Well, what's a rush? Being somebody, being live on the air is pretty fun. That's a pretty big rush. But generally speaking, the rush comes from this ego stroke of creating this persona that you turn on a microphone and tell people and show people you are for three minutes at a time, right? You can't do that on a podcast. Who you are comes out. I mean, it's just going to come out.
1: So do you, do you, you have to learn a whole bunch of reasons. What's that? Do you have to learn to ignore the fact that they're only listening to you because they're stuck in traffic? <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, no. <laughs> you know, radio is weird that way. I, I, like, yeah. I, I left right when everybody was like hammering you with tweets and DMs. And Twitter was a thing for about six, seven years back when I because I, I when was I last at the edge? Was it 2015, 2014? I think it was 2014. 2014. And I did two years at a sports radio station, which was effectively like self-castration on a daily basis. Um, It was, uh, it sucked so hard. Um, But no, it's like this. um, It's hard to explain. I mean, there's very, very few people that can do that job well. And I was fortunate enough to have done it, you know, well enough to be in Toronto at a station that had a 40 share for 15 years. Right. So, but I mean, everything changed and and from then to now, like if you can't stand a tweet, that was the thing. Like we had jocks that wouldn't let like uh, Twitter in the studio. They didn't want to see text lines. They didn't want instant feedback of someone saying you suck. Well, Fuck. God. Welcome to Twitter. That's all day, babies. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I
1: find radio more intimidating. I, 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 I don't have any experience um, worth talking about, but the, the few times that I've done, I've been in a booth and I was asked to like either fill in randomly or being trained by somebody, it 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 just didn't feel natural. Like it just felt that like yeah. a oh two Like I I just don't understand Cheesy. that, right? It it sounds yeah. alien to me. I honestly feel like that someone in the fifties was like, "Hey, Randy, I bet you I can start a trend of people talking like complete fucking idiots and make it catch like wildfire." No, you can't. <laughs> and now here we are, still talking like that. Yes, we can. Now day. they call it radio. <laughs> oh my god, it's so annoying. It's like yeah, hey, it's Never catch yeah. me alive, kappa. Like that's what it sounds like to me. Like yeah. it's, you know, it's it's just. Anyways, um, but yeah, but, but hold it though. There's just there's yeah. a magic to it too that I still dig,
2: right? Like, you know, I I joke around, but I joke. I shit on it all the time. I shouldn't say a joke. Um, I shit on it all the time just because it's dead tech and the people that run it are ass wipes. But and the people that own it and the people that own radio in this country are some of the worst fucking financial individuals you will ever. Ever meet and none of them know what they're doing. Like, can literally, you do
1: radio without ads though, Dean.
2: Can you? Uh, no, but they're gonna find out soon enough because no one wants to spend $400 on a 30 second commercial in Toronto anymore. Nobody, dude, some, Not...
1: some of us get psychotic when we can't skip the YouTube video. Yeah, I know,
2: <laughs> uh, dude, it's 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 over, really? but
1: yeah,
2: um, it's
1: still magic to me, you
2: know, like, like the ability that you have to motivate someone in real time, uh, how you can be compelling in a short period of time the put on is fun to me, but the cheesy stuff that you talk about, that's like so embarrassing, you know, and I I don't listen to the radio anymore, but sometimes I'll tune in when I've got to take my kids to work or, you know, I'm running around in the morning and I'll flip on the radio and I make the mistake of listening to a couple of music stations from time to time. And, and it's fascinating because like I sit there and I listen to it. and I'm like, Oh my God, when are you going to talk about something that people actually care about? And then I read, then I talk to people that are still in the business and they say the same thing. It's like, we can't. We're not allowed. I'm like, what do you mean you're not allowed? You couldn't talk about, you know, like, are you guys not allowed to talk about the convoy? Not really. That was the thing that I talked to a buddy of mine. He's in radio. We're not allowed to talk about the convoy. Yeah. Why? Because they don't want to upset listeners who may be alt right. <laughs> and I'm like, are you fucking serious? That's not interesting. We're allowed to
1: talk about stuff. We
2: talk about everything. We talk about (laughs) this. We talk about that. We talk about uh, cults. We talk about cults in politics. We talk about bag men. We talk about fixers. We talk about all kinds of things because people are talking about it in the hallway. People are talking about it at parties. People are talking about these things, you know, when they go out for coffee. Hey, did you hear this? Did you see this? Did you? And my theory is yeah, we should be allowed to talk about that. But, you know, there are there are media outlets in this country that are so bereft of money and and need that that income so bad that the idea of turning off a potential listener or fielding a complaint because they fired the person that normally fields all the complaints because they're run like a skinflint. Like it is impossible to make money in that business now, like impossible. And the people that own it are just sucking it dry so they can fucking send it out into the middle of the lake
1: and burn it. That's but, right. Cause it, cause it is archaic now. Like, yeah. like it, it, it feels that way. Like when you, when you, especially when you don't consume radio for an extended amount of time and then you've like accidentally hear uh, a popular radio station and it's that same kind of like, what did they call that? Um, uh, it's a certain type of editing, choppy, like it's like a choppy editing and it's like, yeah. and like, it literally sounds like you're going insane. If you don't hear yeah. it for a long time, it's like going back to Toronto after the pandemic for the first time for me in three years and literally standing there in awe at the sheer amount of advertisements. Because mm-hmm. before that, for two years, I saw like three billboards,
0: <laughs> you
1: know what I mean? And yeah. it was weird. It was dystopian. Um, But I think that's a good place to pivot a little bit because There is something magical about... I don't think there's anything magical about radio, but maybe you had to be there. Um, Yeah, you did. Yeah, and I can imagine what that would be like. Um, But the magical thing about podcasting to me is is threefold. It's the no gatekeepers. It's the no commercials if you choose to have no commercials. And then it's that different thing. It is a medium that isn't a newspaper and isn't a radio and isn't Mm -hmm. like a television outlet. And I kind of feel like Christian Slater and pump up the volume where I was able to like hijack a signal and do whatever to a certain point I want, make my own decisions editorial, editorially, for example.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know of any other medium that would um, that lends itself to that kind of thing and, and how when y- you're able to like just rely on yourself and to make the decisions and it sometimes hits in the podcast format, you feel great. You know, like you didn't have to tow any corporate company line and, and from a journalistic standpoint, I'm, I still don't know the answer as to what we're doing when we interview people that say really crazy things. Are we Barbara Walters interviewing a tyrant or are we someone working at a newspaper trying to be responsible for the content that's coming out of this person's mouth? I lean towards the first because I, I want to have compelling people on and sometimes they say crazy shit. Hmm. Is there a question in there? I, You've been at this a long time. I figured you'd just pick it up. but,
2: uh. <laughs> uh, Yeah, what is this? And why is it different? I mean, I don't know. I, I, I have, like, I've got, like, my understanding of what this is is personal, right? Like, not personal, like I take it seriously or personally. But my understanding of what this is is, we're just going looking for answers like that's that's our podcast. We want to have some fun, look for answers, entertain people, give people like an interesting look at the news. Your podcast is you're looking for answers, but in a specific niche. Right. And that mm. niche is politics. Uh, that niche is bag men, which we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes. That niche is what interests you. So like this on-demand world that we live in, podcasting, live shows, on-demand, whether it's video, audio, podcast, wherever you get your podcast, whatever. Um, People identify with you by their interests. And if they see something or hear something from you, they'll go, I'm interested in that as well. And that's how we search for content in the podcast network world, right? We look for, like when I look for podcasts I want to listen to, I look for podcasts that I want to listen to according to what I want to learn. Right. What do I want to learn? I want to learn about anxiety. I want to learn about wellness, mental wellness. I want to learn about stoicism. So, you know, I'll, I'll Google, Hey, uh, Donald Robertson anxiety. Cause we had him on. He's like my favorite stoic writer on the planet, cognitive behavioral therapist as well. psychotherapy. He's, he's the big deal shit all over Jordan Peterson the other day, which was incredible. um, but like i want to get that's into so those funny. niches because i want to learn those things right you when you tune into a radio station or you read a newspaper you're not expecting the same result when you look for information in those mediums right you're just like i hope i hear something that's interesting yeah with the advent of digital content you can literally go right to it so the difference is niche the difference is what are you doing other people that identify with, do you have a mantle? Do you know a lot more than someone? Or are you just willing to go look for those answers in that niche? And you are in a couple of varieties, right? Like you do it in hip hop, you do it with culture, which is incredible because you know that niche. And so you sound passionate and authoritative about it. And people learn. Uh, same thing with these podcasts. Like we're going to talk about politics. You've been going down this road with, you know, David Wallace and Pierre Polyev and Patrick Brown, which is Fucking hilarious, by the way, that he went back to the same party and they fucked him again. And like, you know, I, find I can't believe it. Yeah. I hard, what happened. I can't. It's hard to believe. Um, So that that's kind of what this is. And an, until people in traditional media, specifically people that own it, start programming traditional media for niche interests and making that entertaining and compelling, dead in the water, man. That's the advantage that you have that they don't.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it's, it, it is very freeing. Sometimes it gets a little dicey though. I, I actually want to talk about some behind the curtain stuff for a second. So um obviously I, I, I don't want to do things that are controversial for the sake of controversy anymore. Yeah. Um, But you know, th- there are realities um now with this content delivery system known as the podcast, where I am feeling like I have to be more responsible than say, even I was maybe a couple months ago. Um, You know, th- there, there are, It 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 the flexibility that it allows us is almost um to our detriment sometimes,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um. But at the end of the day, I mean, isn't it kind of worth it? Like, you don't want to get sued and get like you know completely railroaded or whatever. But police yourself. You mean not only police yourself, but know how far to push the envelope and have a lawyer, um, for example, who has your back. Um, And instead of that typical lawyer guy, that's just like, just don't do it. Why take the risk? Just don't say it. Just don't do it. Don't do that. Cause I, I can't stand those guys. Right. Like, well,
2: that's how traditional media is run right now, by the way. It's like, you'd run something by a lawyer. Like, Hey, can we staple a guy's nuts to his leg? And they'd be like, fuck no. Yeah. Yeah, But when I was in radio, like they would be like, yeah, if it gets ratings, go ahead. I mean, we don't give a shit. Um, But this is different, dude. Like, You know, you look at this like because you want it to be your business, right? If you're working on someone else's dime, you don't give a shit. You just want them to have your back. Mm. Like, this is your career. This is your life. So you treat it with those, you know, kind of content, cautious gloves. Where you're like, yeah, you know what, I feel different. And you just said it. I feel differently today about doing content than I did two months ago. But yeah. what you're doing is you're saying, hey, listen, I, you're growing up. Like, I don't feel like I have to go in those spaces anymore. Right. This is part of that process as well. A lot, a lot of people don't realize is you think when you go out on your own, you know, you, you're just going to talk and people are going to come and everybody's going to give you money and it's going to be great. It's gonna be great. I'm just gonna like the world on fire because I'm gonna swear and act like a tool and say fucking cock and piss and shit and all the other stuff. And you can, you can do it all the time. You can go into those dark corners, you can have a terrible perspective, and you can pretend like you're like uh, you know, the 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 the, the die in the wool if you want, but yeah. not gonna make any money at it. Not gonna, you know, attract people who want to work with you. You're not gonna go down that path of success. Uh, at all. All you're going to do is prove that no one was going to hire you anyway. I mean, like that's the difference. The difference is accountability and knowing that they I mean, listen, you can still do the things and be the guy or be the girl and do the content. But you know, that policing or that gatekeeping, that has to be internal in this business yeah. when you're working for yourself. Like you, you have to go, Hey, listen, is this going to help me in the end? right? And he well, taking, only well,
1: taking mushrooms while interviewing our lady Peace be a good move <laughs> for my career. Oh, it wasn't great. Yeah, that was, uh, that was really but amazing. I love the memory though. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. I, I actually like, first of all, it feels like a million years ago. Um, yeah. and second of all, it just, um, you know, it, it's, 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 it's cringy, but like it, it may, it makes me feel how far I, I've been able to come in this and how far I still want to go. Um, mm. now, i uh, I thought it was funny to tweet that um that you hated politicians and politics, and that I was going to have you on to talk about politicians and politics, and we've wasted more than half the show talking about podcasting, which is awesome <laughs> good move dean well done You're um awesome. no no uh but here we are um talking about people lately, and I'm talking about fixers. It started with David Wallace, a political fixer, totally self admitted you know um manipulator uh you know who was a fixer who did you know shady shit for politicians and for others and and he has since come out as a whistleblower he uh, claims to have a crisis of conscious uh he seems you know to legitimately be you know uh, feeling that way um his actions and his words they have not led to anything nefarious that i am aware of at all and um I, i think it's really interesting it's like it's almost like watching the wrestler only mm-hmm. like in political fixer form, right? And what I, um, what I find interesting about uh, how to deliver that content, um, in, in especially when it comes to politics, is that I don't know how to break it to people that the people that run campaigns are universally the scum of the earth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, even this podcast, which is on your network, which is yeah. one of the reasons why I am presenting it like this, I don't want to even mention their names in this podcast. I would rather just say a bunch of stuff that they did in an ambiguous way. So people can go, is that, is it possible that that's true? Mm-hmm. There are people out there that will destroy families for their candidate. There are people out there that will expose an addiction of a rival for their candidate. Mm-hmm. There are people that will, um, you know, uh, interfere in other people's health matters sometimes for, uh, for their candidate. Um, this one made the news, so it doesn't matter. Do you remember that Chuck Straw situation with Stephen yes. Harper? Yes, I do. Yeah. Well, who do you think that was? That wasn't Stephen Harper sitting there thinking, how can I do this? It was a co- political strategist that worked in and amongst Stephen Harper and the PMO or at an arm's length. I know who was, but I don't want to say it. Why don't I want to say it? Because they're also really ruthless and connected. Yeah. But but House of Cards, aside from the murder mostly, um, <laughs> is not an unaccurate depiction no. of what it's like no. and i want to find a way um to to tell those stories to tell the stories of what it's of what bag men do what do they do what do campaign strategists do um the only the people the public strategists that we can mention and i'll just mention their name i won't say any things that they did because it's almost impossible to prove it's just that everyone fucking knows it um is that you know and she's really successful jenny byrne She's been the campaign manager of Doug Ford. She's the campaign manager of Pierre Polyev. She was the former chief of staff or chief advisor to Stephen Harper. Mm -hmm. Campaign after campaign, high profile, high profile. And, um, you know, I wrote in that piece that uh, it was decided to have, and she was Doug Ford's chief of staff. It was decided that they would start the leadership race the day after the provincial election for the specific stated purpose that Doug Ford wouldn't run because they were afraid he would beat Polyev. Like it is yeah. in the decisions yeah. that they make, and the decision on when to run a leadership race is you know it's not accidental. The party has a favorite, and they have chosen at the, the, the upper echelons of the conservative party. Um Pierre Pollier, that, that that's who they're banking on. Yeah. Um, I know why you hate politicians in politics, but these are good you, reasons why. Yeah, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, they are. I, but i I want to treat the show as a hybrid show of politics, but then what you do here at the network for a living in in delivering content uh, mm-hmm. I'm specifically wanting to talk in that space for a second. Mm-hmm. I know you yeah, that you hate it. How should it be covered, whether it's legacy media or podcasting? Let's say you thought it had to be how how should we cover these things
2: I, I, with with accuracy you know like that's that's the one thing that that is glaring to me in terms of how traditional media covers. Uh, politics is we have we have a three headed shit hydra problem in Canada, <laughs> and I think yeah. generally speaking, this happens in the United States too, to a much greater extent. I don't know if you watched the J Six stuff today, but holy fuck, I didn't. Uh, no. Oh, dude, but we've got like a, a three headed shit hydra problem in this country when it comes to how we as Canadians perceive the legal profession, how we perceive media, and how we perceive politics, and it is all tied together, right? So the reason why you have seen such a massive change in in strategy when it comes to, case in point, the Toronto Sun, mm. is several years ago, Stephen Harper decided that he needed to do something to – Turn Canada into because they realize they saw the short plank and they're like, fuck, conservatives, never get a, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're on borrowed time here because we're such a bunch of hateful fucks that uh, we're we're not going to win another election because Justin Trudeau just opened up a can of whoop we'll on on. So what they did is they went to work and they went to work doing a couple of things. And Stephen Harper had the foresight to do this a little earlier uh, where he opened up media regulation in this country. So like foreign entities could come into Canada and buy major newspapers. Mm-hmm. Case in point, Chatham Asset Management owns the National Post. Chatham Asset Management is a full-on neocon fuck face group of venture capitalists <laughs> that uh that hate society and want it to be colonial in every way, shape, or form. Uh that so who is Chatham National? They own the National Post. They own post media. So mm-hmm. they own a couple of different publications that have subsidiary of publications, which is why you see talking points of conservatives and nobody getting angry at at conservatives and no one really covering what is going on with the conservative party. What is going on with Pierre Polyev, what Jenny Byrne willingly does for a living where she fucking ruins people's lives and doesn't give two shits about it like this. and, And they get help. They not only get help from media, But then you're talking about legal professionals, right? You're talking about lawyers. You didn't put them in the mix. So they provide the cover. They provide the relationships. And they provide the legal stand-up shit so that this can operate. And then you provide me with a political opponent. Provide me with a political person. All we have now is this, like, circle jerk of gatekeepers in this country. Legal gatekeepers media gatekeepers. So when Pierre Polyev talks about it, that fuck is talking about it, about him and he's projecting it on everybody else. And he's telling everybody you should be fearful, but what you should be really fearful of is the fact that it is impossible in this country to get a legitimately accurate look at what is behind the curtain in politics, because the people who are traditionally and who are today propping up the hate in this country, whether it's woke hate, whether it's alt right hate are people like Jenny Byrne who want to get paid, want to be in a position of influence. So I have zero fucking respect for Jenny Byrne. And if you want to talk about having respect for the legal profession, I got none either. Like, I know two or three lawyers that I really trust. Our buddy Rob uh, at Kivlaw.ca, by the way, major sponsor of what we do. Uh, I trust him because he actually believes in human rights. And, you know, I fucking run my life through this one M.O., and I run our business through this one MO, one thing. I, it, and it's like, and I said this yesterday in a podcast with Dr. Robert, uh, D, uh, Don, Donald J. Robertson. Um, we manage ourselves as a, as a network, as people looking for answers, trying to do good content with this one thing. The only fruit in this life is being of good character and acts for the common good, right? There is no good character in politics. None. Have you seen it? I haven't seen any of it. I've seen people try to manipulate you, me. I've seen people lie. I've seen people ruin Patrick Brown's reputation, not that he needed any help, because he's also a fuck. I've seen hatred. I've seen lies. I've seen Melissa Lanceman, who, fuck, I thought she was a decent human being. Turns out she is a fucking loser just like every other person that got into politics they're doing it for the reasons that we all hate them right and so it's impossible to trust these people it is impossible yeah. to trust the three yet you cannot trust traditional media and i'm not being a dick when i say it because i love taking a strip off traditional media but when was the last time someone wrote an article about the hatred like legitimate hatred that pierre Polyev pedals on a daily basis and where that comes from you know his religious That's the leanings, key. That's the religious the key. leanings of of the people that he does business with, the cabal of born again Christians and the Plymouth Brethren Church that hide behind Stephen Harper and who Stephen Harper hides behind. Uh, we we don't. Same thing with Justin Trudeau, the SNC Lavell and shit. Like I'm not a fan of Justin Trudeau at all. I find him to be soft. I think he's a pussy. I think that you know he 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 glad hands and smiles his way through. You know, things that people should put really serious attention into. Thank God he's got some really strong women behind him like Anita. We've said this before, Anita, Melanie and uh, uh, Miss Freeland, because they seem to be doing a pretty good job running the country and they don't feel like they have to virtue signal like he does. But having having said all that, um, we cannot get away from. People who manipulate us, we cannot get away from people who lie to us. We cannot get away from people who really want to indenture you to servitude in this country. I, I haven't seen one platform, not one, from the conservatives that says, here's why you should vote for us because we want to make your life better. They lie about making your life better. They lie and tell people that their lives are terrible. Like That's their MO. I don't know if you've seen it. Pierre Polyev's entire campaign platform is this. Your life sucks. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. who the fuck and the way he was lo- a leader who's been telling you your life sucks so that he can get, get your access to your bank account, and your vote. Not me. And, and we've got these lemmings, these stupid fucking people, uh, you know, put religion in there as well. Maybe it's a foreheaded, hateful tri- trifecta, but I just I I, I have no like passionate about it because. I'm so grossed out by the character that none of these people have, right? Like, that's what's asked of us as human beings, to have good character, to tell the truth. When was the last time you saw someone in traditional media go, you know what? This guy's a fuck, and you can't vote for him because we pulled back the curtain. Like, dude, they, they got all the people, uh, you know, the, 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 the Toronto Star and the Toronto Sun and all these traditional outlets. They can they can find out who's, you know, probably who's cheating on whose spouse. They could probably figure out who's cheating on their taxes and all this stuff about these politicians lay bare. But the relationships that these politicians have with the people in the media and then those media relationships with the legal profession, it scares the shit out of everybody. Nobody goes near it. And then there's this protectionism that lives within these three different uh, entities. Right. And we become rubes. Mm -hmm. Like that's legitimately what we become. So when someone says to me, you know, why do you hate media so much? I'm like, cause they lie. They, they generally speaking, the stakeholders and the shareholders in these media organizations, they lie on behalf of their own relationships. And those relationships yeah. are meant to support people with common interests. So guy at the globe, he's let's say a conservative asshole, and uh, he loves Jesus, he's going to align himself with the conservative party and Pierre Polyev, and they're going to do some business together because they have an agenda they'd like to move forward, right? And it's the same. I mean, you know, they all go hand in hand, and I cannot stand it. It's like, I don't know if it's an awakening. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just sheer hatred for the individuals and the lack of character, virtue, or values that guys like Pierre Polyev have. Uh, or the conservative party, or the NDP party, or anybody that chooses to get into politics. Because, listen, I, I don't know about you. When was the last time you had a guy or a girl who
1: ran for uh, office? About two nights ago. Oh,
2: sorry. Who, <laughs> who ran for office, who said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to get into this because I want to make my constituents' lives a little bit better, and actually did those things. When was the last time? Can you name uh, one guy? I can. O-
1: I, I can only name one. Um Nate, Nate. yeah. Yeah. Nathaniel Ernstkein Smith uh, may not be perfect as well. He's far better than any other politician I have ever known personally or have seen work. And it's not even because I agree with him all the time. Um, yeah. I don't know if I agree with him all the time, to be honest. It's because I, I respect anyone that has the courage to, um, to tell the people that they work with, their colleagues in a party system, no less, that they disagree with them. Um, dozens and dozens of times voting against your own party because of your principles. I have never seen that before, ever, covering politics for 20 years. Um, but he's going to run for the Ontario
2: Liberal Party, by the way.
1: Yeah, I hope so. Um, but see. your greater point is clearly um, that there are not enough of them, if there are any of them um, that are visible enough for regular people to, to who don't follow politics Anyone? To see, Lisa okay? McLeod? No, she's a fucking tyrant. She's a piece of shit. We should She's do a. a do you want to do a she speed read, round, he, and I'll just do a noun for each one that you say? Because, like, <laughs> well, I even he, got he... I got visual effects. This is Pierre polyeb looking tough. You know, <laughs> There he is. <laughs> this is. This is when he found out Jenny Byrne was going to be his campaign manager.
2: Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> no, there. man. I, like, I, you, you can point to uh, two people that I know. You know, and and in one of them, I don't even want to say the guy's name because I question him now too. But um, point to one, Nate. Erskine Smith, I mean, you know, you, you, I, because I know him, you know, and I've talked to him and I've seen the quality of his character. Right. Um, but I, I don't trust anybody in politics. I don't trust anybody in media who supports politicians and who picks a politician or a party. And I definitely don't trust the legal system, specifically ones that, that, that uh, protect those in, in these, in these arenas. It's just, uh, it's fucking gross. So when you ask why I don't want to have a politician on twofold and I haven't still, for quite some time and i don't know if i will john sherry might come on in the next couple of, couple of weeks he may um and well, we've had some nice conversations with him Him and lawrence his,
1: lawrence nice guy his campaign manager rejected me a week ago so please oh, put me he. on that show will <laughs> <laughs> be a private victory i won't even mention it yeah. yeah yeah no no i mean you know
2: they they actually reached out to us which was cool um as did del duca which we refused but um and not because we're somebody but because I think people get are so fucking tired of that song and dance, and don't trust the same people we don't trust that they align with us. And you know what? I would
1: love, I would love to tear it all down. Like, yeah, if you, if I would you have had Del Duca on. Role, I would look. I would have. Had, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I would have had oh. Del Duca on so that people would understand that you can talk to Maxime Bernier and Stephen Del Duca in the exact same way and still have a good interview. You know, like that would be the only reason I would have him on because. And I, would, and I would joke around with him. Does it feel weird, Mr. Del Bulca Vista, to have really bad name recognition? Right? Like, and just see if he laughs. See what kind of personality. That dude
2: got. reminded me of, like, Fire Marshal Bill. Remember Fire Marshal Bill? I'd say he
1: reminded me of someone, but I totally don't remember what he looks like. because Fire Marshal Bill. Yeah, he's very
2: nondescript, but his upper lip didn't move once. Anyway, I, nothing against yeah. him, and we just wouldn't have him on.
0: Um, Look, it's a Rocco fairly... Rossi
1: imposter. Jesus. What <laughs> yeah. happened? Yeah.
2: We're a we're a fairly well attended podcast, um, and I don't and I know that that's what they want. And I know that I, I don't know about you, but have you seen a real shift in respect for politicians over the past couple of years in this no. country?
1: <laughs> oh, no. really? You've
2: all really like a, I, like I a have major seen... shift in disrespect, like a major shift in respect to
1: the negative side, like not Sorry, to respect. the negative. Yes, absolutely. Uh, And it was was bad beforehand. Uh, The pandemic um, is, we should just measure this era as post-pandemic because um, the pre-pandemic world was just as nonsensical and farcical as as it is today, but we've crawled through the membrane of the pandemic and now all of us just don't have the tolerance for the self-evident stupidity and corruption that we see every single day. Like we don't fall for the sound bites and the media spin and the pivots to the question that wasn't asked. We notice that shit now, Um, and it's punctuated by. And this is kind of funny. Um, remember that celebrity video for Imagine? Yeah, that was. Remember that shit. Remember, remember Ellen DeGeneres being like, "I feel like I'm trapped in her sixty thousand square foot. Oh, it's so tough. Yeah, yeah that happens all the time to people now i think i think that kind of thing that excess celebrity culture that cheap uh, deflection when it comes to politicians that the way that they are able to like not answer a question like it's a fucking art form and people are like yeah he handled that well <laughs> it's like <Yeah>. so- <laughs> no he didn't <laughs> he fucked us all in the ass by not yeah. answering the question like
0: yeah.
1: and and P, you know and and it's weird so anyways i think post pandemic has made us more um aware and tuned into the complete plastic veneer of public relations um the way the media speaks the way people speak to the media and all that stuff even if we're not talking about it that specifically i think we're noticing it i think we're cringing a little more than we did before
2: well, I think so, and I, I think the militarization of the conservative party into an extremist group of religious assholes has helped, <laughs> maybe a little. <laughs> like across the country, yeah. Like I, I don't, you know, I, I don't recognize it. Uh, you know, Brian Mulrooney, say what you like about him, he doesn't recognize it. Anybody who's worth their stripe in the conservative party doesn't recognize it. Friends of mine who are big swinging dicks in the conservative party, and yes, I do have friends who are. They say the same thing. And I'm going to have a couple conversations this week with a couple of them because I'm interested in the subject. Like, what the fuck happened to you people? Right. Mm. Um, But, you know, watching that as a case study, the conservative party go from wingtip shoes, guys who like to have a smoke outside, going to go back in and uh, advocate for uh, more entrepreneurial opportunities for people who want to get ahead in this world. Like that was a conservative party to me when I grew up. Right. And I wasn't really a. Political guy, the Conservative Party today is literally run by and has been taken over by a guy who is legitimately involved in a wacko religious sect, and his name is Pierre Polyev. Abort! <laughs> oh, dude, no, 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 abort! Like, no. I, and w- we talk about it on a daily basis. I've challenged him on it. I We all and, and crickets like they avoid it like the plague because you can tie so many people back to the same ridiculously exclusive ideology that this fucking idiot shares, which yeah. is we need to bend the the, the cons- we need to bend this movement towards the crazier side. We need to tell people they should be fearful. We need to give them their marching orders. We need to activate the dumbest fucks in this country and we got to figure out a way to steal their money. Like the Conservative Party of Canada is to politics what Rebel News is to news. It just yeah. is, right? It's the captaining of the craziest fucks on this planet. And you know, I've been dis disgusted not just by the turn in politics that we've seen i've been disgusted by the allies they've been able to create along the way like laurie goldstein like uh brian Lilly, like every single piece of shit that writes for the sun with the exception
1: of warren kinsella who i like i like him now too we i think we're buds now
2: yeah, well, I don't know if you're buds, but <laughs>
1: well, I'll pretend to like them for a good podcast. <laughs> uh
2: yeah. Uh but like uh, the, everything as we knew it is so different, not just politics, but these 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 people that have come along for the ride because and it all goes back to one thing and you know what it is too, right? Is where do my interests align and how can I throw them behind somebody who's going to get me what I want for me, right? That's what it is, whether it's religion, whether it's money, whether it's opportunity, whatever it is. And Pierre literally represents the worst people, the dumbest people, the most uh, agitated, uncentered, emotionally detached people that live in this country. And he represents hatred. He foments bullshit on a daily basis. He lies through his dick. He went after this poor girl named Rachel Gilmore, who's actually spun this into a nice thing from Global News the other day. Everybody that writes shit about him, he's just like water off a duck's back. This one woman's like, she asks a bunch of questions about him walking with a with a, 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 a political extremist from Diagon, which is what Pierre did when the fucking second convoy ran through town like a whimper. And he, he literally marked her on behalf of all of his constituents. And the death threat she's gotten on behalf of this fucking article that he wrote about how terrible an individual she is and how she hates Canada and she's smearing him. It was a page out of Trump's book. It was no, just not- this, this shitty misogynist fucking power play where he could treat a woman like a piece of shit because he's too much of a fucking coward to do that to men he won't do that to me he's not gonna do that to warren warren owns his fucking brain
1: yeah i don't know about the like uh, if it was like he did it because he was motivated by the misogyny or anything but you know i don't even think it's relevant because at the very same moment that he was doing that Jenny Byrne was having someone killed. I'm kidding, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I'm totally kidding. Yeah, like, she didn't have anybody. Killed no, her. she didn't have anyone. killed. that was a joke. but she was doing something that was probably 10 times as, as bad as the reporter did, which was nothing. But you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, like the, the clutching of the pearls while you're cutting off someone's head is, is amazing to me. Like, um, and, and I, I'm referring obviously to the Patrick Byrne thing. I talked to this insider today. Um, I don't know if I dean if I told you who was off air. I don't want to mention who was because yeah, almost like the Plymouth Brethren. Um, if you speak out against the cult, they make your life a living hell. <laughs> they really do, right? And this person, um, who has been around for decades, he, everyone knows this person, and he, you know, this person's very legit. Um, he was like, you would you would be surprised to know that like seventy percent of the party hate Pierre Poilievre. Um, if if you didn't know any better, if Did you really? if you if you, dude, he says that. Um, he said the smartest, most diabolical people support him, and um, half the conservatives out of there in, in caucus or just MPs are pretty like outside of the power structure of the Conservative Party. You know, it is not a very big it's a club.
2: fucking bunch of losers to be in the power structure of the
1: conservative party. It's like just a host of wieners. It was described to me like the cafeteria at high school and and just waiting for your chance yeah. to sit with the cool kids. Oh, and in this God. high school movie, um, Pierre probably is somehow a cool kid, <laughs> which is yeah, which is he never been, me. by the way, no. Millhouse. Yeah, <laughs> which, is, which is the only reason
2: why he's doing any of this stuff, because he was probably he probably got his ass kicked a lot in school. He's, I can guarantee it because I know people that knew him. So he's the biggest piece of shit. He was like this fucking fraught asshole, treated everybody like shit, and then would cry when someone would go, Pierre, you're a garbage human being. He's like, I can't believe you're mean to me. That's literally what he was, right? And, and then sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. And now he's like, he is, look at me. My fucking cowboy hat's too big. I'm a piece of shit. Like, he literally has, <laughs> he'll do anything. He's so desperate to be somebody that he's doing this. That's like, I fucking, I, I cannot st- and his personality i've never met him but what he projects and i know people that know him and they all say the same thing pierre polyev is the worst human being they have ever met He used the most <laughs> the one word that comes up all
1: the time about pierre polyev is duplicitous you know what that word means Yes, I do know what it means. It means that uh, you say one thing to one person and the opposite to the other, and you try to make both of them your friend.
2: It means you are not a normal person. It means you're two people, which means you are fucked in the head. Like when I was Mm. drinking a lot and really sad and angry about five, six years ago, I was what you called duplicitous. I was two different people. This guy's
1: willingly two different people because he is an absolute garbage human being. I know this is an awful thing to say, but thank you for just saying that someone was a garbage human being because now I feel less bad. Um, but there's like a four percent chance he married his wife so people wouldn't call him a racist.
2: <laughs> <laughs> did you notice? Did you notice? Like, like, because I called him. He's the, the leader of the white supremacist Wiener Brigade in that one tweet. And, Lots of W's and all the yeah, all, all the fucking all, all the supporters and all the bots came out and they're like. How can you? You're racist. He married a
1: Venezuelan. You racist. I'm like,
2: what the fuck are you talking about? That's the second and time it, in a week
1: that I've heard someone say, oh, dude, "I'm not racist. Drama. I fuck Asians." What are you talking about, buddy? <laughs> yeah,
2: dude, that's exactly. But here's the thing: is I know where it came from, and and they they captain the they got this whole campaign because they were pissed that this tweet that I put out flippantly got like hundreds of thousands <laughs> of impressions and likes and views and retweets. And so what they did is they sent people after me. And when they sent people after me, they sent me sent people after me by offering up his wife as an immigrant and, and talking about her. Well, like they included her in the conversation. They're like, how dare you talk about his wife like that? I'm like, dude, no one mentioned his wife. I'll be honest with you. I knew he was married. I didn't even give a fuck. I'd, I'd never seen her. No idea what she looked like. And there was no mention of her in the tweet. And they're like, how dare you? T- and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Where did this go from me saying he's the leader of the white supremacist extremist brigade, Wiener brigade, to there's Dean making fun of his Venezuelan wife? And it was yeah. like, but it that was the cook. That was the thing they wanted to do. They wanted to hang that collar around me because I got him dead to rights because Pierre Polyev is indeed, look at me, Pierre, you are the leader of the white supremacist extremist Wiener
1: brigade, and you and I both know it. Yeah, and and you know what? I, I don't know if he's a racist or not inside his heart and his mind. Me neither. I do I do know that he's calculating enough to not to step on their toes in order to get their votes. Mm-hmm. And and that's why, you know, he he's the emblem of not having principles when you're in politics. You know, there's he would not risk losing like a four percent share of a leadership vote. Um, by saying, you know what, white supremacists, you can go fucking hang out with Max Bernier now. I honestly don't want you here, and I'm not just saying that. This isn't fucking a dog whistle. Get the fuck nope. out of my sight. If he nope. said that, he would probably win the election. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> if he actually had a change of heart. Um, but anyways, that's Pierre probably. He's he's not gonna have a change of heart. Um, now, do you think that it matters that his business partner is an elder in what Doctor? Yanya Lalage called the most dangerous Christian cult in the world? (laughs) It's an honest question. It just sounds (laughs) fucked up.
2: (laughs) Do you think it's a problem that Pierre does business with the most dangerous Christian cult (laughs) on planet Earth? Yeah, I do. I do. You're talking about the, Tell me why, brethren Dean? or assemblies of brethren. They're a low church, non-conformist, non-denominational Christian movement. Whose history can be traced back to Dublin, Ireland, uh, Wikipedia, these guys, wiki them, Yeah. go do, just go and look at Google them for fuck's sakes. Um, the contracts that they were able to do, how they do business, how they cut people out, how they excommunicate people. Like I saw a video the other day where like the leader of the church is like, by the way, because I think he's Australian, our church is worth $22 billion. And I'm like, yeah. well, fuck, that'll save lives. You guys are in it for the right reasons. It's garbage. The Plymouth Brethren Church is a bunch of fucking losers and call members. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And, and we all I, know it, uh, the, the the history that these guys have and the fact that, that they have a hold, literally a stranglehold, on politics, and they made a concerted effort back in 1993. I did some reading about these guys last night. They made a concerted effort back in 1993, and they said actually it was – they were doing it quietly in 93, but it was Bruce Hales in, in the mid-2000s who's like, we're going to go off the politics, and we're going to th-. – like they gave a ton of money to George W. Bush. They gave a ton of money to Stephen Harper. They gave a ton of – it, it threw a whole bunch of different organizations so it wouldn't look ridiculous, right? But it's like it's there in plain sight. These guys and the way they do business and how they try to uh, how they try to force the, the narrative and how they try and literally force their version of Christianity down your fucking throats, that's what this neo-fascist Chris, Christian movement is. And it is largely supported by these guys. And you'll never guess who does business with these guys. And I don't think Pierre is a racist. I never called him a racist. But I will say this. Pierre's relationships are indicative of the kind of leader that he's going to be because he gets into bed with whoever will give him what he needs to get so that he can get to where he's going. And this is the only thing he wants. Right. This is the only thing he wants. So is it a problem that Pierre is super involved with people in the Plymouth Brethren Church? Say what you will about him and what his belief system is. And I don't know what it is. The fact that he didn't talk about it is another thing. That means he's fucking embarrassed. Well, if you're you're not embarrassed, what are you hiding? Right. Yeah. This, This is religion and politics. And I said this earlier, and I'm going to take some heat for it. You cannot be a devout anything and serve the people of a country. You can't. No. It No, is fucking impossible.
1: I would even go as ex- far as saying that one of the litmus tests of a leader should be questions like, do you believe in the Bible? Literally? Do you right. believe in the end times? Would you mm-hmm. choose your constituents over your God? If not fuck off, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Really? Yeah, dude. It is it is so hard to
2: it is so hard to serve and to hold your oath to the people that you took an oath to protect and serve, protect and serve the people of this country when you're willing to lay down your life for a god you've never met in a church of people who demand your fealty. It is impossible if your entire life is given over to a Christian movement, a religious movement, or religious zealotry, you are automatically persona non grata in the world of public service, in my mind, and you have to be, because you you can't serve two fucking masters. If you're going to fucking put it all on the line, if you're going to dedicate that kind of time to being in public service, you're not an effective public servant, if your real fealty is to a fucking imaginary sky daddy? Are you kidding me? And somehow over time, we've been forced to like believe that these fucking cats are, oh, they're just, they're just good people. They believe in God. They're Christians. What what do you expect? Christians are some of the worst fucking human beings on the planet. And I know that because I used to be one like yeah.
1: some of the worst Well, hold on. I'm an atheist. And I was also one of the worst people in the world. So I don't know what that says, right? Um, oh man. I'd hang out with an atheist way before I'd hang out with a born again, Christian. That is a what, fact what, fucking Jack. Is it a distinction without a difference to say that they are not true believers like people like Stephen Harper and Pierre probably have, but they're using true believers is one now, worse than the other. What's worse being a true believer or using them.
2: Great question. Um, got a quote here I'm going to read to you by one of my, fa- it's my third favorite philosopher.
1: <laughs> you have a third favorite philosopher? I do,
2: yeah, Seneca. Uh, Lucius
1: <laughs> you know, Seneca. a true philosopher would never rank philosophers. <laughs>
2: no, I know. Uh, but I got three of them. My favorite, my favorite philosopher of all time is uh, the philosopher king. His name is Marcus Aurelius. Uh, next guy, Epictetus, total stud. And then third mm-hmm. favorite, Seneca, because he kind of didn't, you know, he didn't really model the lifestyle
1: of Stoicism. Anyway, long story short. Plus, he got but a name on a college without selling out.
2: That is true. Religion, well, Seneca was actually, that was an an indigenous name. I don't know if you know that, too. But Seneca is. Don't uh, call me a racist on my own show. No, no, no. He's like a 2100 (laughs) 2100 year old philosopher, Greek, Roman uh, philosopher. I know. 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 Biblical times. Great quote. One of my favorites. I want you to listen carefully. Religion is regarded by common people as true, by the wise as false, and by rulers as useful. Does that answer your question? no (laughs) stephen harper whether his belief system and i know it's rooted in born again christianity and i know he's very tight with the people at the plymouth brethren church and i know pierre Polyev is as well they may employ religion as a personal belief system but by god
1: they also know how useful it is i think they don't believe in it at all and they just know how useful it is i don't know how you can be that smart devious unethical corrupt and think to yourself, you know, Jesus loves me. Like, I I don't think it's real. I think that smart, devious people realize how powerful religion is, and that takes over any belief system. Mm -hmm. And so I would, to to answer my own question, I think it's worse to to lead on true believers as if you believed, than Mm -hmm. it is to be a true believer quietly. You know, I just it's just the way I'm programmed. It's, it's, it's too influential. It literally doesn't matter if Stephen Harper believes.
2: Oh no, dude, the, the reason why Stephen Harper is in the circles that he's in is because of church, right? The reason why he makes those relationships is because he has that belief system that belonged to the evangelical church, whether it's an alliance church, Presbyterian church, a brethren church, whether it's an episcopal church, he truly does believe the rhetoric in the Bible, which is that Jesus is the, the only way to heaven is through Jesus. He believes in the afterlife, he believes in living a spirit filled life. He's had a conversion experience, right? So he believes in the sky daddy. He Believes in, uh, you know, that Jesus was the bridge from, you know, humanity to heaven. That he paid our sins by dying on the cross that day. That's what they believes that Jesus rose from the dead. Like, you know, when I get a fucking loser that comes into my mention and hits me up with like, you only hate conservatives. Uh, because you hate religion. And I'm like, hey, get, guess what? Jesus never rose from the dead. Like, if you really want to upset someone, remind them that that is physically impossible, has never happened, and nothing in their religion can be borne out by any modicum of truth whatsoever. Or Everyone fact. has the None right to
1: that. their belief, Dean. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, I, I hate it when people say that. No, you know what? You have a right to be a fucking idiot. Sure. I guess well, hold so. it though. But does someone have the right to that belief if that beliefs
2: expressed intent is to hurt other people and corral them into doing what they think is right for their constituents? Like that's they have the, the, the that- right,
1: but like, it's like, no, they listen, don't. I just they don't. tempered myself in my own mind when I thought of Ray from the network, because yeah. he's a believer and he's like one of the greatest dudes ever. Yeah. So I'm literally, you know, but if someone forces me to unpack what I actually believe. It becomes this thing where it's like, I'm really sorry about this, right? Because I know you're a fucking great guy, but there's so many things in the Bible that make it the shittiest fucking story of all time.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there is. But but hold it. Here's the thing: is that
1: genocide and slavery and
2: like all that shit. Not great. Not great. Crucifixions. (laughs) Not great.
1: Not great. (laughs) To to quote the prophet Christopher Hitchens, (laughs) "Heaven sounds like a celestial North Korea more (laughs) than a paradise," right? Like. it's it so, does.
2: it so does but listen there are people that embody the philosophy behind evangelical christianity like my parents like my brother uh like like ray you know uh who i'll we'll find love. people I but say, aren't they I, cherry
1: picking isn't no, that what they're
2: doing i don't think they are i don't think they Do are. they like, believe
1: I, the amalekites should have been slaughtered <laughs> uh,
2: i don't know i mean that, that that person like if when you talk to people that don't want to shove their shit down your throat Okay. And whether it's Muslim, whether it's Christian, whether it's uh, Baha'i faith, whether it's Mormonism, whether it's Jehovah's Witnesses, whatever the situation is, I'm good with you. You and I are okay. You can never run for office, like ever. But who? I'm okay with you. Is you know, anybody who believes in, uh, in like, a, anybody who's had a conversion experience and oh. serves their God with their all their heart and will put their life on their line for an invisible fucking sky daddy. Yeah, I mean. You, you should never hold office, ever. You should never be allowed to. But and but I'm okay with those people as individuals all day long. Dude, my entire family, I grew up in that church. So I'm I'm what you'd call apostate, right? So because yeah. I'm apostate, I know the value of their apologetics. I could probably strip Stephen Harper of his belief system inside five minutes. Same with Pierre Polyev. So they stay away from me. I mean, people like that, they just, they
1: just tell hold me to on. fuck what, off do, and tell me to go to and all that stuff. What's say that again? Like you could you you feel like you're like I could you're, rocks I could rock your status and belief the, in, system. Yeah, 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 that's what I mean. Really, yeah. what yeah. would you say to them? Because that's interesting. I can't let that go. What oh, would
2: you say to them? dude! I mean, you'd have to. It just starts with questions. Tell me why you believe what you believe, and they won't. First of all, but if you get an answer, you'll say, "Well, can you give me some empirical proof that Jesus Christ came to die on the cross?" The and stars. Yeah. I, I mean love it when they do that. The, the apologetics, the the exclusivity of Christianity. Challenge someone on that. Dude, the uh, white the guy 50. in the Middle East.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not someone on the, the LGBTQ stuff. Challenge people and all, on an Allman brother just yeah. wandered into Israel one day. <laughs> became god like like and the first time i didn't notice i felt like such an idiot i didn't notice white jesus mm-hmm. until guru from gangstar set it on a track on the daily operation album in like 1994 yeah it's up on the cross the white jesus lurks and i was like all right yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah white jesus No, nope, dude like, hey listen a lot of people don't even understand that they don't know that the bible was written in 1611 by king james
1: Yeah, we're all Constantinians, not Christians, right? Yeah,
2: totally. And the reason why King James co-opted the Catholic Bible, cut a bunch of books out, changed the way it looked, changed a whole bunch of shit, was to convert people from Catholicism to Christianity, Protestant Christianity, right? Not Catholicism. Big fight back in the day. Uh, The Bible actually was put together in, like, the year 200 in Nicaea. Uh, And a bunch of guys got together, like, okay, we know Jesus probably banged Mary Magdalene. Let's take those stories out because we don't want to give it in and we get so like literally, it is a cult document from start to finish, and it has been revised over history. But for some people, they believe it's like God breathed. So when you inform people of the history of of like biblical linguistics or how the Bible came to be or some of the stories that are in the Bible and how the Bible works, not only do they not want to talk to you, they if you challenge their belief system, they get physically angry which is why you've seen so many people so pissed off today which is why you see people go science is your god well fucking yeah because i get answers from science and google not so much from the bible or praying yeah but they're so stupid
1: about that part though sorry to interrupt but they are because if i was a christian i'd be like and and someone's like throwing science in my face and be like yeah god made science (laughs) I'm about saying yeah. right like but they're just like they they make it seem like it's uh a rivalry <laughs> like mm-hmm. sci- between science and actually god. a
2: muslim made science a muslim also made numbers a muslim a muslim invented the language that we use Al- yeah, and the muslim
1: god married and consummated his marriage with a nine-year-old girl a muslim so, invented yeah. algorithm at eh, a different time i mean it was oh, stop. different come on if that was a jesus if that was a white God, you would be like, oh, yeah, pedophile God. See what I'm saying, James?
2: <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I hate all religions. It's funny because Mubeen and I haven't talked about it. Mubeen Sheikh, who's Muslim, right? And yeah. I respect him like you would not believe. I respect yeah, he's like like faith. the Muslim right. Him yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, kind of the same way I, brought my, I respect my brother, who's evangelical, but I respect him like you would not believe because he's got this belief system that he's molded to himself that lies in the apologetics and the understanding of the Christian faith. Same thing with Mubeen, right? I would vote for those guys. Because they're able do. to separate themselves from the group. They're able to separate themselves from the rhetoric and the really hateful parts of what they do. Pierre can't do that. Yeah. This conservative party of Canada is that. It is this hateful rhetoric party full of assholes who truly do believe that you, James, need to live by their Christian colonial
1: values. I would A only person, do it for the, uh, for the bonnets. Chicks. I would just, just grab some of those bonnets I don't put, do it put my, my girl chicks. in those bonnets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can you put this on tonight, honey? <laughs> That'd be it. amazing. Where are you? you look so good. Wow. Yeah, it, no, but obviously I agree with everything you just said. Um, uh, There's someone is here that I know is correct. Well, listen, um, I, I, I think it's cute the way that you shy away from criticizing Islam. I think that's interesting. Um, because mm. it, you know, I don't it's know enough. The same it. shit, different pile. It's all it is. I wasn't
2: abused by the religion of Islam. I was, I was abused by the religion of Christianity. So that's what I go after. Right.
1: The only person that I know that was abused by the religion of Islam was the Prophet Muhammad's wife when he had sex with her when she was nine, and that's mm. just true. So maybe it was different back then. Maybe they were. Maybe it was like dog years, and she was like forty. You no know, I don't know. I don't know. But don't get into we're all afraid to talk about we'll that because it. yeah, don't be afraid to talk about that stuff. Um, it's a good time to bring Ryan in. Ryan, what do you think of the uh, Prophet Muhammad marrying a nine year old girl?
3: <laughs> what a great time to jump in.
1: <laughs> yeah. Do you I don't know why you guys are all uncomfortable? Wrong. No, 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 no. This time. is where you you're go like, wrong.
2: We got we to take this another step further. No, nope. this talk is where you go wrong.
1: This oh. is where you go wrong. Do you know why, you know why you're wrong about this? I got you're wrong about this because it's factual and you're afraid to say it because it's a certain type of I fact. I don't know anything about the Prophet Muhammad. You. I just told you to one little fact, it. and you're like, oh, oh so you I'm going to start, start talking line.
2: about the Prophet Muhammad and all the terrible things you did because you told me one little fact? I don't care. No, that's not Dude, what I'm saying. I'm this going is what after I'm evangelical Christianity because those know, are the know, people that are legitimately I mean, I mean, trying to fuck over I the I want country. to
1: put a bow on something, though. I want to put a bow on something. Yeah. Four minutes ago, I said that the the the, the Christian God committed slavery and genocide, and you barely batted an eye, and we just kept going, and that's totally fine. That's the way it should be. And then I said something equally as factual about Muhammad having a nine-year-old wife, and you're like, "See, this is why you go too far." But it's just as factual. I'm not oh, making fun of well, it. Dude, I'm not motivated I'm aware by hatred of, the of Muslims. slavery
2: and the indentitude of of, <laughs> of, of, of born again Christianity. No, no, you're making weird shit up now. you I
1: am telling you, me.
2: no, you are. It now is. you're being weird. Dude, are you we, being we funny? About, this a... No, because we're not talking about bad actors in the Muslim faith in our political system. We're talking about the we born. No, we're talking about, about, bo- no, we're, we're about born again Christianity. That's what we're talking just about. We're talking about the Plymouth Brethren Church. Any Muslims cri- in that thing? I don't know. I haven't seen it. I don't
1: think I they're don't allowed. Know why. That wasn't the, sorry, okay, I apologize. That wasn't the prerequisite for me criticizing religion. Uh, I didn't realize it was because of that. But I was just trying to be uh, fair.
2: An equal opportunity, dude, if we want to let's get, I'm happy to talk about the failings of all religions. I'm happy to talk about the opiate for the masses in an individual basis. My my impression was we were just talking about the douchebags
1: that are trying to take over Canada. That's You know, was, this conversation could have went like this. Yeah. And, and the prophet, Muhammad married a nine year old girl. And you could have been like, I know back to Pierre probably. Yeah, da, 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 and that would have been fine, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how you doing, Ryan?
3: I'm okay. Uh, actually, Dean brought up a great point, and I just Perfect. wanted to expand on it before you, you, you move on. Was um, I think it was Ricky Gervais that said it. Well, you could take all the science books in the world and all the Bibles in the world and burn them, and then within 150 years, we'll be able to replicate the science ones, but you'll never get the Bible back. So yeah, that fine. should tell you something.
1: Yeah. Well, you will in a way, because wasn't like the ancient uh, religious texts originally... A way to like anthropomorphize and interpret things like ast- um, astronomy and the oh, yeah. of the stars and things Dude, like that.
3: J- King James wrote that to his liking. Yeah, you know, like the the the, the Bible book of the day. You know, yeah, the yeah. Bible you know as, as of today is uh, such a far fetched stretch from the original. It's plagiarization. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not even. It's been translated multiple times into uh, political uh, societal needs. It's it's. It's 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 a joke. It's really a joke that these people base their entire fucking existence on it. So yeah. I'm with I'm with Dean on this one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think they're all um, batshit, and I think that um, that we they go through their periods, their eras, where one religion is worse than the other. I think back in the day, like in the '30s and stuff, it was definitely Catholicism. It was probably Catholicism for centuries. Um, you know, um, in the early in the late '90s, early 2000s, it was probably Islam. Um, I think right now it's probably a close neck and neck race between radical Christians and uh, and Islamists and stuff. But I mean, these aren't um, um, criticisms about people; they're criticisms about ideas and books. So I, I understand, and uh, that that Dean, it makes you feel a little bit eh, when I go off in that direction. But I, I just want to let you know that I mean it in the exact same way, with the exact same thrust. That I mean it against Christianity. That's all it was.
2: Oh, no, be. dude, dude, yeah. I, 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 equal opportunity. And I hate all religion equally, Um, but I don't like, you know, do you ever see, you've seen afterlife, right? The last episode of afterlife where he's like, yeah, the last season it's great. Where he doesn't want to take away the comfort that this kid has in his understanding of the afterlife, right? Like he just it felt terrible so to it. with this same dude that like, like if you follow ricky was he nine i'm just yeah i don't know Uh, again there you go um but it's the same it's the same dude that like spent the first 10 years prior to making afterlife uh like literally mocking anybody that believed in god like literally (laughs) to their face calling them the c word telling them they don't understand science now i feel that deeply uh the way that he used to mock people I feel that deeply but I also feel very deeply about the sensitivity of people who need that understanding that or need some something that in their life that says okay you know when you die cuz death is a tough thing for people to captain like it's difficult for people to understand that they are going to die right so a lot of those people that are really fearful which is why I call sorry why I call religious people pussies <laughs> um <laughs> I know it's tough, but uh, come on, because they have this fear of death and I don't have that fear. I used to don't anymore. And so I'm happy to make fun of it, to shit on people's belief systems, to tie bad actors to that stuff, because, you know, they truly do believe that the only thing that matters is the afterlife. Like, that's the only thing that matters to a, a lot of religious zealots. It ain't here. Which is why they commit atrocities against people here, because they don't care about here; they care about there. And the their part, man, you you you'll lost me because not only is there no proof, the only proof that we have of the afterlife is that there isn't one. Is that
1: when you? But divide, that guy wrote the dirt. book where he <laughs> described it.
2: I know, I know, but yeah. it,
3: it ain't really- I'm 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 with you. And I, I what makes me and it actually makes me upset when I think about it is the self-esteem that religion removes from everybody. Like we're all good people. We do good things. Everybody does. I don't care who you are. There's something in your, you can be proud of and you should be proud of, of yourself. Religion literally takes that glory away from yourself and gives it to somebody that doesn't exist. And it's like when you say, uh, grandma died, grandma died. Fucking doctors are shit grandma survived it was a god's miracle why couldn't we give the miracle to the doctor that actually saved grandma's life like and that's that's and and that goes for that's that's uh, projected but it also goes for introspection when it comes to life goals like thank god i aced this exam thank god i got my phd like literally the 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 juxtaposition of religion to education like they're literally handing over the credit of their own hard work to to a false fucking sky daddy as you put it yeah and that you know that actually upsets me you're worth more than that you're worth more than a pretend um uh, entity that is is on a picture on your on your grandma's wall because you were told to believe in that as in it's bullshit
1: mm-hmm. it's i agree with everything you just said um and i I, I repeat, um, there is a um, an arrested development that c- condition that happens when religion permeates in any society um, they are it 's not coincidence that the most religious places in the world are the places where the least amount of technological advancements are taking place. It is not a coincidence that the the only people on the planet this is fucking crazy um there there might be one or two countries that allow the execution of gay people but the only demographic on the planet that is uh where where if you go to a certain country there's like 11 countries where if you're an atheist you can get put to death yeah there is no other demographic that um that can say you know just for being this I could go to this country and die um unfortunately for the um for the people that don't like to to talk about this and i'm not even talking about you dean i'm just saying the audience in a lot of ways are probably going to have a problem with me saying this they're all muslim countries and and i'm not blaming the people i'm not even blaming the books i'm blaming the people that use the books to control and oppress the people and so i that is a nightmare event that religion as is catholicism and christianity and all the other ones in their own different unique signature styles they're all really damaging to people mm-hmm. overall, right? Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm really, you know. Oh, to
2: totally, say. I, I, dude, and and listen, that's one we can both agree on, you know. Mm. Like, uh, we can agree that uh, religion produces zealots, right? You know, like Muslims have Muslim extremists, right? We've seen the damage that those extremists have done over the years. We're seeing the damage that Christian extremists have been able. I mean, the same thing, just different religions. You know, we've seen it. Like we're seeing it now happen in this country. We're seeing it happen to women's rights in the United States, right? They, they basically destroyed a woman's right to an abortion in the United States. And if they could, they'd do the same thing here. You know, like if your religion says you need to deliver uh, exclusivity in this world, you need to deliver uh, an alternative opinion to love and acceptance and kindness in this world. You're in a cult, bro. Like, yeah. yeah. And if you're if you're an extreme version of that, you're not just in a cult. You're basically an extremist slash religious terrorist. And and it's not even a sex cult. No, not even. No, a it's not one. even the
3: fun one.
1: Yeah, yeah which right? wouldn't.
3: Be I'd rather fun get branded than go it. to confession
1: again. You know what I mean? Well,
2: it's just it's it's such a fucked up. um Thing is, that you know, religion wants you to think that you know, without religion, we'd be fucked. And I can tell you this without religion, we'd be way happier, we'd be way better people, we'd be far smarter because you don't have to think when it comes to religion, you know, you don't have to act when you comes to it. You get told what your policies
1: are, you get told what your belief system is, right? Like yeah. it's and and really important to is. always, I think it's important for people to remember whether you're religious or not that. In order to do any righteous act that you can possibly conjure up in your mind, um, you don't need religion to do that. You could do anything a religious person could do. But in order to be properly motivated to do things that are completely fucking evil and insane, you almost always need religion. Mm -hmm. I don't think politics itself on its own is going to motivate a person to blow themselves up. I don't think that politics on its own is going to motivate people to become... Illegal settlers in a place where the people that they're displacing were there for thousands think, of years. Do you think no?
2: politics alone tells someone to attack a lady going in for chemo treatment in front of a, um, a vaccine clinic in downtown Toronto?
1: I don't know. I don't think that so. the answer to that one. I, I just don't know. I, I don't know if ignorance is just as powerful as, when's the as last
3: When's the last mass scale atheist attack we've had?
1: Communism? <laughs> That's what they say. Literally. Yeah. That's what they say. I know. Yeah. It was the last agnostic No one ever, like, like attack. said... No one ever, yeah. like, properly... <laughs> like, yeah. It's yeah. Like, like, I people say... Poll- Did you guys see that big brawl so like down at
2: the d- weed bar? <laughs>
3: <laughs> like, fuck. <Yeah. laughs> Come on.
1: Agnostic! Atheist! Agnostic! Yeah, yeah give a religious like, zealot a
2: bunch semantics. of booze. You got the worst fucking human being on the planet. That's Done. what you Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, no, I, I, and just, just for clarification, Dean, difference between an atheist and an agnostic, for the, for the audience.
2: atheist is someone who does not believe Atheists in any god. Agnostic is someone who isn't egotistical enough to say there is or isn't a god. He reserves judgment until he dies. That's me. Like I, you're I'll
3: agnostic. find out when I die. Yeah. So are spiritual, I, it's, I, I'm sure it's like more nothing.
1: of a spiritual way, right? Yeah. Oh fuck off, spiritual. Come on. You know what it is? It's Pascal's wager that's what that is pascal's wager is like yeah i don't think there's a god but i'll say there might be so that jesus will let me into heaven if i'm wrong like oh fire insurance you're
2: talking about
1: yeah Yeah, pretty much yeah yeah no but for real though like it feels i feel like uh uh, atheism is just saying there's no evidence of an omnipotent being and then agnostic is a world that word that is created it would be like creating a word of i don't know for if unicorns exist Like, you can either be like, listen, I don't think unicorn exists, or you could be like, I'm uni-neutral. You know? Like, I don't know. Maybe they do. (laughs) I think that's sort of what agnosticism is. Do they
3: like uh, being... Can you label them as uni? Isn't it? I don't know. Agnosticism is
2: is legitimately... This is the the Oxford Dictionary version of agnosticism, which I subscribe to wholeheartedly. A person who believes that nothing is known or can be known of the existence of nature or God or anything beyond material phenomena. A person who claims neither faith nor disbelief in God. Like, if you said to me, where do you see God? I would say on my walk today when I was like I pulled a leaf off of a tree and I'm looking at it I'm like how the fuck did you get so <laughs> like that's that's God. That's, that's, no,
3: that's what called,
1: that's what Jehovah's Witnesses say.
2: No, I didn't. No,
3: that's i that. yeah. I like days. You're a um, beautiful
2: man. Man, no. But
3: yeah. that's
1: what the Jehovah's Witness say when I challenge them in my living room. I'm like, do you uh, you know, what, can you show me evidence of God? And they're like, look at the stars. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, well, we That's know they are. That. They're
3: balls of gas. We know well, that. Like, know we actually know that. Yeah, we do. It,
1: no, but it's just that we're giving people it as if it's, like, some sort of viable option. You know what I mean? It's like, listen, believe whatever you I want. Like, you don't know how the universe started. Could have been science. Could have been God. Wait, wait, hold on. Why could it have been God? Tell me that one first. Like, I don't really understand. I that. like Dean. I like Dean. No, I'm more of an anti-theist, though. So. I
3: like Dean's, Dean's view of, of the definition, though, of the removal of the ego and the removal of the I know more than you sort of aspect that, that, that approach is good even though i think it's a little uh, i don't know it, but it's like fluffy. do you know if unicorns exist it seems exist? fluffy how how you would know know I mean? like... exist? you know if unicorns existed
1: if you you would have to literally search every cave and nook and cranny on the planet to say unicorns don't exist and a god is similar to that there's no evidence of an omnipotent being but how do you find out if there is no evidence anywhere like then,
3: then we end up in the in the in the, the problem with, uh, and, and it'll bring it right back to science, where science science dictates energy doesn't die. So what hap- We are energy. What happens to us? You know. So I like I, I get it. There's a lot of a lot of avenues. Are, that are can... we
2: really going to get into like uh, I, haven't heavenly, even, par- I haven't even I haven't even Are we getting no, into I'm just... heavenly particulate now? Is that what we're doing? No, we're no. just
1: trying to reconcile the fact that. Um... There's no evidence to support these ghost stories, and we have to pretend that there might be. And I'm that's
3: surprised all. you're agnostic and not atheist. That's all.
1: Who, me? Yeah. No, Dean.
3: Yeah, I'm surprised. Is it to get, not... get
1: chicks? <laughs> <Just
2: kidding>. No. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not. I, I am not. I cannot prove that God exists, nor can I prove that he doesn't. Right. I can only prove Yeah, but you can say that, that about anything, though. Dude. You can a, say that about no, Santa
1: Claus. That's yeah. that burden of proof. No, no, Santa's not real. You know him both. But how, how do you know? you know that? In fact, he's more real because he's Saint Nicholas, and that was a historical figure. <laughs> that was a real person. So. <laughs> now you're being a fuck.
3: <laughs> it's my show, motherfucker. <laughs> he's got a point. He's yeah. got a
2: point. No, he I doesn't know. have a point. Santa's he does. does. What about unicorns? You know what? Then Dean? I, he's right.
1: He is right. Did I, did right. I tell you, you, did I tell you guys? That. Did I tell you guys about the best strategy ever to make sure your kids become atheists?
3: Why? Well, sorry, so you what? sit
1: them down at age whatever. I don't even know what the age is supposed to be. Let's is this say this one you're gonna ten. give some terrible bad, advice. Bad, don't spoil it. Good. No, parenting no. advice, here we go. This is the yes. best parenting advice. Well, listen, the only other parenting advice that I know that's within our circle is when Lockman said, I think you should beat up your son once when he's shake like thirteen. Yeah. Shake can yeah. Hang them upside this, down. So this might be in that category a little bit, but it's really kind of productive, I think. So here's what you do you sit down, you're like, listen to me. Santa Claus you know, it's a tradition. We tell the story. It's not real. Tooth Fairy, Easter Bunny, Jesus. I'm really sorry. This is just the way. It is. And you just boom. All of a sudden you equate Jesus with the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus. And how many kids do you grow up in with high school that was still like, I, I believe in the Easter Bunny. None. You no. just make well, Jesus an Easter Bunny. Well, At Pierre some point you're
2: using your, your child well, if you you don't tell him by the age of thirteen. Hey, listen, I gotta tell you something.
3: Guys, Pierre might be watching right now. Yeah, don't let. Oh, him
2: he's so sad right now. Like, imagine him finding out the Easter Bunny isn't real. Yeah. Shit's gonna. He loves a fan.
3: He loves Easter. <laughs> he fucking loves Easter too.
2: Oh, lives for it. Big fan. Huge Easter guy. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I gotta go, dude. I got a meeting that I was supposed to have. It. Yeah. Nine. No, we're going.
1: We're going. I was just about to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: I literally Stop have a controlling the
1: show. <laughs> oh, I just I'm came just in saying, to produce. I, it. I'm not. I'm just saying
2: I gotta go, so you can keep doing a show. You and Ryan. Do- okay, see so you then. So he just left. <laughs> I wanted to no,
3: did I left you
1: just me. kick him out? You well, did. Well, I that? didn't want to get the explanation as to why he's leaving. He really what had to go, fucking, so I was like, "Let's go." Wow,
3: what a what a power cock move.
1: It's my show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. No, no, no. I was just trying to be funny. Um. I like his perspective. Um, we're gonna. So wrap it up I, right I lo- You we're, know what? We're gonna wrap yeah. it up right now. I, I yeah. don't agree with it, but I fucking like it. You know what I mean? Like I, I am entertained by things I don't agree with because I like trying to climb into that thought, and so yeah. I have no issues with him being wrong about that at all. <laughs> That's
3: the. Uh, it's the Hitchens razor. Actually, you brought up Christopher Hitchens earlier, and Hitchens razor is one of my favorite things. Is that that cannot be um, proven? That
1: that 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 has. Uh, that which requires, no, extraordinary claims re- require extraordinary evidence. Is it that one?
3: Yeah. If you can't, if you, it, it, you, you can't tell me something without evidence and I can just, I can refute it without evidence. So yeah. you can't so tell greatest, me I need evidence to refute your non-evidentiary, um, uh, thing. So, yeah, and you that's, can't
1: just prove <laughs> negatives. And also if you, uh, if you claim yeah. something as great as this created every fucking thing ever and there's no evidence, <laughs> it's kind of a problem.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. What time is it? Oh
1: uh, shit, it's kind of late. Okay, dude. Um, that was fun. I didn't know where it was going to go. Um, that Dean was actually
3: really good. That was a great show. That's why, like, I, I sat in the back and just kind of did some some behind the scenes stuff because you guys had a, a really good rap going. That was uh, that was fantastic. That was actually, yeah, I, I, I was compelled listening.
1: Yeah. yeah, I, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed kind of the one on oneness of it. You know what I mean? Because like yeah. I'm always sort of like. I know you don't think so, probably, but I am always a little bit wary of how much time I take when I talk. <laughs> I'm thinking about that in my head. I'm like, fuck, I'm eating through people's time, bro. Really? And I, I do that. Yeah, I do. Like, do that's you? why I'm so concise with everything I say. <laughs> <laughs> that's
3: why uh, one show equals three apology shows.
1: <laughs> no, that's right. Shit, sure, I could chop this into four and shows and my rankings would go up. What? What? No. Actually, Apparently I got a message.
3: I got a message while we were uh, I was back uh, doing doing the production stuff. I got a message from our good friend Scotty Trades about your podcast. Oh. You're currently number 30 in Canada's news commentary chart right now. I was 14 about a month ago, but thank you. Well, you're number 30 <laughs> and you that's up 9 spots as of tonight, just so you know.
1: Oh, that's great. No, that's yeah. good. I don't look at them anymore, so fucking thanks a lot, Scott. Um, yeah, but this I...
3: is the this is the this is the overall Chart. This isn't like a one Apple podcast or whatever. This is the overall. So it's like chartable or refonic. It's that's one a of the a good two. place to be. So yeah, yeah
1: it's, I, I try not to thank you so much. I honestly thank you. Uh, I try not to think about it because I don't want to fucking just. I, just well, I, like keep.
3: To, I like to watch your head explode and watch you uh, drown in your own ego. So
1: have a good night. Um, I don't know if I'm that egotistical. It's <laughs> no, a good mix it. of being <laughs> completely self worthless and really <laughs> overconfident. <laughs> yeah. You squish them it's, together it's, and.
3: It's fantastic. It's my favorite storm to watch on 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 our network is yours.
1: Today was Adderall day. I got my prescription today, so I'm a little happy. <laughs> Good for you. You know it's so funny. Sometimes I I tell jokes, but they're actually yeah. like such bitter honesty, and no one fucking knows until I say that. Like it's it's really weird. But today was Adderall day, and uh,
3: the clown,
1: and uh, it's it's made me uh, communicative, <laughs> chatty. You'd- you know, honest. which is
2: a
3: good thing on your show because, you know what, as much as you think you might talk too much, I don't think you talk enough and you do
1: well. So. Listen, I appreciate that. I, uh, I, I try to have fun and I would like to start having you on a little bit more because I, I enjoy the time that we have here. Because Yeah, these, and these and little back and, and forths are really fun. Yeah. And I don't I mind
3: uh I don't mind running the uh the board in the background for you. It's uh Yeah, it's I was
1: like all of a sudden Jesus and Pierre showed up on the screen. I was like, what the fuck is happening Who it? is this
3: doing is... this? I am agnostic now. I think this <laughs> this was my favorite though. Come on.
1: Oh, which one? Oh, you know what I forgot to put up for Dean? How pissed off I was that I could have had three things on the trending list. Yeah. Except this was number one. And you know what's really funny? We Would had you drink Oscar Mayer's meat-flavored hard seltzer? Sorry, I forgot I have to read things because most people listen to this podcast. Oh, that's
3: it. true. Yeah, the uh, bologna seltzer from Oscar Mayer. Put it back up for a
1: sec. But it was a joke. It's not even real news.
3: Yeah, I know. Look at the top uh, top corner there. Above the ham and cheese, Oscar Mayer. There's a little watermark of a uh, Twitter account that's absolutely fucking hysterical and they do this oh. all the
1: time. Yeah, Dean uh, told me about it. I forget the name though, but yeah.
3: Yeah, it's called Box of Chowder, and uh, if you look them up on Twitter, they're actually really funny. Some of the shit. Well, I was just
1: really this. pleased that the fake article about hot dog juice beat my three articles uh, for the top. Do you know spot why though? Site.
3: It's because it took up 15 <laughs> minutes of our podcast on fi- on Friday when we had Sam G on, and Sam G's got a huge following as well. So her viewers came, and we talked about this because at that point we hadn't realized that it was a hoax. Mm-hmm. and we were saying like could this be real like what the fuck is going on what, what's wrong with us now and uh yeah we talked about it for like 15 minutes there so i would have yeah I, probably I think won. everything's
1: a, i think everything's a hoax i think um marianne iverson's microphone is some sort of practical she's microphone. a hoax like, I, yeah like she yeah, no. by the way i said this earlier on i don't know if you were watching or not but like i she is like i think she's um so naturally talented
0: it's so weird marianne- I'm, i've
3: Marianne's one of my favorite guests on the Dean Blundell show. When she's on, I actually get excited when I hear she's coming because I know... Like, her and I have a really cool banter. We hung out one weekend, and uh, her, Ashley, Dean, myself, and she is just as funny and quick and dry in person as she is on the show, and oh my God, like, you want to talk about somebody that you can sit, and bust but she'll bust your balls right back and that's what i love about her she's great
1: yeah yeah she's just one of the sort of just one of the guys but she's she's one of those so casually talented people where i'm just like i'm almost envious of it it's like your just natural state of being seems compelling to me you know i don't know yeah no anyways um i'm gonna stop blowing sunshine sunshine upper bum because (laughs) everybody else is
3: getting everybody else is getting blown up
1: i just want to i just want to find a way to get mendingo to sponsor her microphone i just i just you know i just just.
3: sponsored by vivid videos yeah
1: (laughs) this elongated black phallic symbol brought to you by the british broadcasting corporation
3: i don't know if you caught the beginning of the podcast today she was having audio issues so we were trying to give her tips like how to how to fix it at one point i told her Grab Two it. Two hands. Both hands. Slowly. Oh, did
1: you? Okay. Hold on. I, I gotta go, everyone. I gotta go watch that podcast. <laughs> we'll talk to you later, buddy. All right, buddy. You have a good one. That is Ryan Lindley. Before that was Dean Blundell. This was kind of a fun podcast. I needed a podcast like this, guys. I've been covering cults, <laughs> politicians, um, abuse stories, um, more cults, people threatened with kidnapping. I can't, you know, I needed a show like this. I got a little bit high. Um, I uh, I took some edibles and I had on my friends and I regret nothing. And thank you for watching. Um, I should say that Thursday is the premiere episode of Heinous Cases with Rob Kabiklian. Heinous Cases is going to be a twice a month show where Rob and I look over, you guessed it, some heinous cases in Canadian history. And we are going to open with Carla Homalka. It's actually not going to be funny at all. I am not going to make pretend voices like this or use a tone of voice that is cynical or silly because we're dealing with some evil fucking subject matter. And we're opening with Carla Homalka. So um, and the reason why we're doing it is because we eventually want to get to a place where we can find out why it is that there are certain anomalies inside the Canadian justice system that allow, or not allow, but that uh, hit certain types of offenders on the wrists uh with kid gloves that uh are just inexcusable and so we're going to take a look at a whole bunch of cases like that that uh sort of scream a lack of justice so um i think you guys are going to be into that next week adam Scorgi is going to premiere his is that next week 25th, so two weeks. Uh, Adam Scorge is going to premiere Culture High, his documentary, and we're going to do the same thing that we did with uh, my documentary. We run shit, so that will be fun. Um, and a couple other guests. We'll talk to you then, though. I am going to go now and eat a lot of food and call a girl that I like. So, thank you, everybody, for joining us, and we will see you next time if I can find the, uh, the thing I'm supposed to click on Blackball. Cheers. Blackball Black 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 ball Black ball Black 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 ball Black 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 ball black black, 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 black,
0: black. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes.